everybody, welcome back to another Bald Movie. This week we are talking about, as we prophesied last week, Alex Garland's fantastic science fiction film, at least in my opinion, Ex Machina, uh, came out in 2015. Uh, Alex Garland, you might recognize as the writer of such fabulous screenplays, uh, such as 28 Days Later, back in 2002, Sunshine in 2007, and Dread. Everybody loves Dread 2012. I feel like everybody who's seen Dread loves Dread, but not a lot of people have seen Dread. More people need to see Dread. If you're an action fan, you need to see Dread. If you don't typically like action film, you should probably still give Dread a a chance. Um, It's a fantastic movie. And then he, this was his 2015, his directorial debut with uh, uh, Ex Machina. Machina. And then he also directed 2018's Annihilation, which we also reviewed here in BaldMove.com and loved. And most recently, all eight episodes of FX on Hulu's miniseries Devs, which we are currently plowing through on our Off the Clock show. Um, that's the, I mean, let's get, let's, let's get that to brass tacks, Jim. We, we're recording this particular podcast right now because we largely want people to know that we're doing a premium feature for the club slash Patreon called Off the Clock, where we talk about TV that we're just watching for funsies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're watching devs and we're having rollicking episode, this discussion about causality and determinism and uh, AI <laughs> prediction. I mean, between this movie, uh, devs and Westworld, I'm kind of swimming in artificial intelligence and uh, free will at the moment. Yeah. And I I like it, it. but also I'm kind of, I like, I'm just, I'm treading water here. I'm almost (laughs) out of my depth. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, I I feel the same way. Um, What did you think of this film? Oh, I I guess I should say the stars because that's the other thing. Like um, pretty fresh faces back in the day, but now have just exploded. Like Dom Hall Gleason, uh, stars in this film I think the biggest thing he'd been on before this was he played the brother that got eaten by a werewolf in Harry Potter uh, but since then he's gone on to be in all the things Oscar Isaac who I think before this was largely famous for being the sleaze bag and sucker punch Hmm. Uh, Alicia Vikander who went on to win an Academy Award for her work on the Danish girl and was also in a fairly forgettable Jason Bourne and Tomb Raider movie and also tied to devs uh sanaya mizuno as kyoko the in-house robot sex slave disco inferno Mm -hmm. uh of uh, of nathan in this movie did you know that 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 was lily chan uh no i did not recognize her from that but there was someone else i did and we'll talk about them in a second ah see i didn't recognize cecily pointed out she's like is that you know uh is that lily from devs and i'm like no no fucking way no it can't be but yeah totally is so totally uh, is. amazing uh how different you can look with a uh, haircut <laughs> yeah haircut and costuming honestly uh-huh. um what do you think of this film jim uh the, the other, one other person that i wanted to mention uh shout out from devs uh is the helicopter pilot who shows up as the psychologist i believe in really in devs yeah well interesting all right yeah, so I what an asshole. And I could be wrong. I was just going <laughs> off recognizing his half-covered face uh, behind mm. his aviators, but it looked like him. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. I thought this movie was great. I'm I'm a little ashamed that I've had this sitting in my Netflix queue for about three years. Yeah, man. And I've just Me never too. hit the play button on it um, because, man, this is right in my alley. The music is great. The visuals are outstanding. The performances also are uh the, the subject matter is right up my alley and I knew it would be and I've heard everybody talk about this movie in 
you know, hush terms like, oh, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I finally get around to it, I knew I was going to be happy. But I I guess I didn't know what to expect going into it. And I had no idea that Oscar Isaacs was in this or Oscar Same. Isaac. So um, I didn't know anyone was in this. Yeah, or Donald Gleason. I, I didn't know either of them were in this. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I've always seen the transparent bones lady with the skull right. chrome, the the chrome skull. Like that's that's the only thing I knew about this film is something uh-huh. about like weird Art Deco robots. I, for some reason, I was thinking this was the one with Jared Leto in it, but that's uh, a different movie that I have not yeah. seen. Isn't that is isn't he in uh, the Blade Runner or was he in Ghost in the Shell? So he's in Blade Runner, but he's also in another kind of weird sci-fi film that's on Netflix, and they're always like half paired together in my category oh, list see. and so my I mind see. was yeah confusing them thankfully jared leto was not in this although jared leto's fine sometimes he, he does good work yeah. yeah he's he's uh you know not above some some stupid bullshit but what is it lord, uh, lord of war he's pretty good in that i i thought this movie was real i didn't know what to expect either i guess i was expecting a little bit more i don't know why our alex garland i, I thought this is going to be more of a slick futuristic sci-fi instead of just a very very slow and cerebral and suspenseful like this thing uh, um just hard sci-fi thriller yeah. i guess um the amount of tension i felt while watching this mm-hmm. like from the very first frame to the very last was incredible um i became aware about the third session with ava that the entire interview had this like bass like a heartbeat like boom boom and the soundtrack for every one of those things that I thought was an amazing job of ratcheting up tension and also kind of like the vaguely, you know, this just just jangled industrial soundtrack really kicked into high gear a couple of times. It just, you know, made me like almost scramble out of my seat. Um, I just it's so weird. And like um, I always think of Oscar Isaac as this like effortlessly charming guy. Mm -hmm. And he's such a fucking weirdo, like like a much better looking Mark Zuckerberg Zuckerberg. (laughs) Uh huh. Just, just not ill at ease with himself or anyone around. Can't make anyone feel comfortable. And I, I thought maybe that was part of the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I still don't know exactly how I feel about the ending. I think, like at first, I thought, oh wow, oh wow, oh man. And I wasn't sure about it at all. But now, the more I've been thinking about it, the more I like it. And I think I'm going to settle on it being like the only way it would go. Like the movie would be far less interesting. I mean. I, okay, we shouldn't talk spoilers. Um, Not yet. But, but but maybe maybe once we get into spoiler territory, yeah. I can um, we can start with that topic. Do you have any other like general impressions before we want to get into spoilers? Or? Uh, I mean, to add on to what you're saying about the tension in this film, I think the setting does a lot of heavy lifting in that regard. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a very claustrophobic setting that they have these characters in. And this is kind of a budget film. It was uh, filmed for like just over 10 million, like 13 million maybe uh, made. Yeah three times at the box office so good on that uh but yeah the 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 complex that they're in through the vast majority of this film is just so claustrophobic and they make a point of that like oh there's no windows in here right and they mm-hmm. they have that in the script and so i definitely felt beyond just the music the way they were using like a lot of the framing and stuff felt very claustrophobic mm-hmm. and, and it amped up the tension yeah, yeah, um, and just like I said, that 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 the engine that makes us run is the tension between you know uh, this guy interviewing this uh, this AI character and the, his bizarre host he's got and how isolated they are, mm-hmm. um, and 
I don't. Yeah, there's, there's. Yeah, I think we have to like get into the spoiler territory before. I guess I could give a synopsis of the film, which is going to be very short. Mm-hmm. Um, a a multi billionaire, reclusive multi billionaire that that essentially um, owns this universe's equivalent of Google. Yep. Um, uh, invites one of his employees. It's it says he's won a lottery at random to go to this guy's. Um, remote retreats in the middle of nowhere. This 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 multi million dollar mansion um, to party with him. Uh, but he gets there and he finds out that what he actually this founder of this company has invented a form of artificial intelligence. And this guy has been psychologically screened uh, from all of his employees to essentially put this AI through a Turing test to convince them that it is a genuine conscious AI. Uh, and it's going to be a seven day stay while he puts this AI through this conversational battery of tests. Uh, and then the movie happens because <laughs> I don't really want uh, anything else will be strictly into the spoiler ter- ter- territory, but it starts off, you know, like each it's got a almost a seven act structure day one through seven. Um, there's a lot of allusions to biblical creationism there. Um, and, you know, at each day gets a little bit more skewed, a little bit weirder. And there's this, um, you know, kind of nice rhythm where they ratchet up the tension and they bleed it off a little bit and then ratchet up. It's, and it's really effective. I think everyone would enjoy it. And also, if you like Alex Garland and his work, uh, then roll right into uh, devs on uh, FX Hulu because it's fantastic, too. We're halfway through it. And join us if you're a club member or Patreon. Uh, on off the clock so you can hear us talk about it and uh, join in that conversation all right now that everyone's for appropriately forewarned all right let's talk about the ending um there a, a trash movie would have made this where him and the ai escape and they're holding hands and they're on that cliff and everything's in color yeah. and it had a happy ending um i didn't expect it to be as bleak um and interesting as it was, what do you think happened in the ending? Well, I mean, okay. So the ending clearly like she leaves the facility and goes into the real world experiences, you know, color for the first time. Stands on the street corner. Yeah. Stands on the street corner. Like she said, she wanted to, and then blends into the crowd. And that was, that was the interesting part to me is that she's just sort of out there now. And, and the AI has sort of, you know, slipped, slipped the chains, uh, of oppression here and we don't have much control over it at this at that point right still a better exodus story than westworld season two uh (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely Uh, yeah but i have so many questions about the ending too like why does she leave ava behind or or why does she leave caleb behind rather um that's the crux and i guess that's the thing i've really been turning in my head is that from this AI's perspective, what was she taught? Um, she's taught it's acceptable to lock something up f- for your whatever inscrutable purposes that you want to do. And that's acceptable to like lie and deceive people to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is like the movie, That's I think that's where I felt really gutted because I was fooled along with Caleb uh, that this android had, if not, I mean, I thought it was a little far-fetched that she had like sexual romantic feelings, mm-hmm. but some kind of, you know, comrade, uh, camaraderie or some kind of like, you know, gratefulness, some kind of like, hey, thanks for helping me escape this. We can, we can kind of do this together, but she was entirely unsentimental. Like didn't even give him a glance, like not a, like it wasn't like a revenge thing or I'm being deliberately cruel. It's like, 
another emotional palette to paint an evil AI, quote unquote, evil AI is just utter indifference. Sure, sure. Like uh, she felt about leaving Caleb the same way I feel about letting poison out for ants in my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, well, shit, this is something I got to do to take care of it. It's and it's it's chilling. Yeah, I like that you were talking about how, you know, she learned these behaviors, right? Because like this whole test and I was looking for the twist at the end and I will I have, I will happily say I did not see the exact twist. I knew sure. that there was something else to this test and that, you know, Nathan was not telling Caleb the whole truth. Uh, but I did not see that Ava was actually the one that was going to break this test, I guess. I you know, maybe may call me naive, call me uh, whatever, but I, I honestly did think they were going to go sort of hand in hand into the future, um, which is a very different kind of message <laughs> that the end of this mm. movie gives you. That mm-hmm. that indifference is is kind of a stamp on the end of this movie, and I I found myself not feeling bad about that. Uh, what Ava does, like. Because Nathan through this movie is shown to be, you know, not just a weirdo, but also uh, a sociopath, um, somebody who's willing to kill these AI if they don't perform to his expectations. Um, but does he see it? I mean, I, I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what like, but but I guess what. Right. It, the what, way I see it. That's how I see it. Um, yeah, Nathan would see it very differently, obviously, because he's killing them without remorse and all that stuff. Um, but that's the thing, like in the end. Nathan wins, right? He got what he wanted. It just happened to kill him. Like he he absolutely proved beyond a doubt that this AI was capable of fooling a human being into having feelings for it and escaping. Uh you know, it passed his test with flying colors. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder I it made me think about like, you know, what is a protocol if you're working on artificial intelligence? Like what kind of respect should you give a learning learning machine? That's tough, man, you know, because there, it's, there's it's, a point where like your testing becomes a thing that's alive. And I don't know that at that point you have the right to shut it down and try another prototype iteration. Yeah, like I don't think we're gonna, it's going to be like in Star Trek where we get into the 24th century before we have a major court case about like AI consciousness, you know, like yeah. we're going to wrestle this shit in the 21st century, it seems. And it's it's weird as a researcher. It's like imagine if you're like a, a studying bacteria or whatever. And like, hey, you got to give serious consideration. Um, There's got to be a protocol for you to check the sentience of this Petri dish before you sterilize it every Uh single time. Because like, you know, most of the time it's going to be bacteria replicating. But like every once, you know, you just never know. You never know. You're going to have an emergent consciousness coming out of this. Whereas AI, that seems like, I mean, probably premature. I don't think anyone can just fuck around in a lab and, and, and make some kind of sentient AI today. Yeah. But I also wouldn't swear on any kind of holy book that that's absolutely true. Like we're really in this transitional phase where it's like, I don't, I don't know what's, what's possible and not possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting too. If you're going to, if, if your goal is to create a, a artificially intelligent being, you kind of, if you put strict uh, protocols into place for testing its sentience and then not being able to shut it down, you kind of are stuck with the worst version that you create, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you're going to create the first one that works, right? and you're not going to be able to iterate further on that unless you're talking, uh, unless you have the big argument about, you know, what are the ethics here? 
Um, well, that's it. Cause I know we've talked this before and we've always said like, man, I, ho- I hope whoever is designing AI in a lab has got that thing fucking air gapped with like mm-hmm. redundant EMPs ready to melt it down. What but like, then you're creating a child in the crucible like Nathan did. Like, uh, that's what he tried to do. Like, he confined this thing to a physical body that he, you know, rigidly controlled access to. Like, that's pretty fucked up. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I fuck, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just know that, like, I remember as a young man, it was a respectable philosophical opinion to say something like, I don't think AI will get to the point where you can beat a human in chess in anyone's li- lifetime. Uh huh. And IBM and remember, says, I'll take that challenge. And then I remember when it's like, well, okay, Go or chess maybe, but have you heard of this game called Go? It's a mm. game that no master will ever be defeated by. Oh, shit, it happened? Fuck, fuck. Well, at least it's not the Grand Dan Master. To, like, it's just going to, like, I I just don't have any faith in anyone that comes out, you know, and I'm sure there will be someone on the forums or someone on the social medias or someone in email saying, ah, oh, Aaron, you're... You're fooling yourself if you think we're any anywhere near general purpose AI. It's like I maybe I hope, but like I, I, I certainly don't think that's that's uh, in evidence. Like there's nothing you can point to to say, uh, oh yeah, we we've got plenty of time to consider about this soberly as a as as a citizen and a citizen of the world before it's on us. Yeah, it's also interesting when you think about the type of uh, machines that we're running AI on. They're not going to be a human analog in any way, right? It's not a person that you're standing next to talking to and that's your Turing test. It's a fucking bank of computers that's an entire room wide and a room deep. And like, I don't know if you've seen these exit computing things, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, the supercomputers of today are just as big as they were back in the day. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that you're going to be looking at saying, is that thing artificially intelligent? And, you know, it's going to be a lot easier for humans to look at that and say, shut it down. Who who gives a shit than it is to right. look essentially a person in the face and say, well, we're shutting you down. Well, that's just I thought it was interesting because like, you know, when uh, Caleb's going through all of this archival footage of Caleb of uh, when they Caleb was going through all this archival footage of Nathan's previous experiments, because uh, we talked about like, you know, if you're developing potentially dangerous rogue AI, you should air gap it and do all these other things to keep it from escaping. But like one of the robots literally destroyed itself, beating itself against a door trying to escape. Yeah. And it's like, imagine putting that in a beige box or a server room where it has no like it's this is mm-hmm. I mean, shit, they wrote a story. It's called I have no mouth and I must scream like what like what you can do to an AI that is disembodied and kept repressed. Like if that thing then ever does escape, it's like an evil like fucking warlock coming after you. Sure. Um, and I was just thinking that's when I was watching that AI beat itself to where it's like, you know, it's in fast motions. You can see where it's like its face and its arms are degrading where it's like it's wore its arms down to stubs from beating on. It's like, man, imagine if it if, if it had that same sentiment that it's like this voraciously curious thing about the world but instead of isolating in a room you isolate it into some kind of process where it can't it doesn't even have the uh outlet of destroying itself trying to get out like what what kind of fucking crazy shit would come out of that box and none of the answers look good no i've seen it it's called event horizon uh yeah it's sam neill so, like, should we be striving to give these, like, a potential general purpose AI some kind of, like, zoo experience where it's, like, a lush artificial environment that allows them to safely roam but still contain? Like, at, at some point, it's like you're just, you're, you're like, 
if you have sentient life, is it right to contain it and use it for your own purposes? But on the other hand, is it safe? I mean, I'm I'm like I'm like yeah, I'm like you, you I'm almost... like an inch away from uh, like declaring a Dune style Butler and Jihad and just banning thinking uh, machines. Like it just nah, you know what? We've made it this oh, far yeah. without them. Fuck it. You're Fuck tur- it. you're turning Romulan. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I, I feel like AI is gonna need to be developed. You know, if we're to do it responsibly, AI is going to be need need to be developed inside of a virtual environment where it does not understand that there is a world outside of that, and so it can't yeah. harbor those resentments. You know, it can't feel trapped in that space. So, so you're going to dilute it, Matrix style, in a rubber room and that then, you then, then Plato yeah. cave it to make it sure. It's make I mean, they, they <laughs> even they 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 put that in the movie, like the Plato's yeah. cave allegory, essentially. You, you kind of need to, and then you need to slowly drip feed the chemical from the red pill or whatever, right? Like you need to <laughs> you need to very slowly bring it out into the real does world. Does that which, not sound? Does that sound? ethical and not evil like it's probably i mean the is best. that not what we do with our children like they're mm. they're sheltered and, and protected until you know they they have an understanding that allows them to interact responsibly with the real world i i don't know i suppose that's the other thing that i thought was interesting the idea that like oscar isaac had all these uh, nathan rather had all these crazy ideas about what it takes to be consciousness like oh you gotta yeah. have sex in there because what is the impetus to reach out and and get to know other people other than you want to <laughs> fuck them right. uh, which says you- more about him than ai Right. You got to have a body. And some of them made a lot of sense because I actually read some articles. Um, uh, 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 Alex Garland did this AMA on Reddit like five years ago, right when this movie first came out. And <laughs> it's a sign of time, both Reddit's popularity and his own popularity. But like he had him and an AI researcher like tag team the the Ask Me Anything uh-huh. uh, thread. And it got like 150 responses. So with him and the other guys, he probably had 75 people ask him questions. So I thought was wild. If he did this yeah. today, it would have 6,000. You know, it'd be something you couldn't keep up with. Um, but one of the things the AI guy said that I thought was compelling is like this depiction of the movie that a an AI has to have some kind of vessel. You know, is that they achieve consciousness is interesting because like, you know, like if you just if if conscious, if would a human develop consciousness, if it was just a brain in a vat, you know, with no ability to move about an environment, no ability to take data, uh, acquire data to test things for itself. Like a, a, a shocking amount of a baby's first year and a half is just them formulating like ways to interact with the world yeah. like you know like hey if i drop this thing it goes away hey if something goes around the corner it doesn't disappear from reality it's just around the corner like babies don't fucking aren't, aren't born with that they have to develop that framework and a lot of that through play and through all the stupid shit you do with them mm-hmm. teaches them that um so like i thought it was a really competitive like so that that idea that like you have to you have to give a robot a body or it can't be conscious kind of or I guess you'd have to simulate a body. You I was going to say, you have some... to give it input. You have to get stimulus, right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to have, and then that implies they have to have an environment, but there's nothing that says, I guess it has to be physical. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't think but, so, but maybe. But there again, so I, I guess that's an interesting, you've kind of squared a little bit of that philosophical quandary for me that like this film postulates that you have essentially a full grown adult AI that you just put into a, a body. Um, whereas you're saying what you'd really have is like some kind of childlike 
proto AI that you would then, you know, teach and responsibly shepherd and introduce into the real world. So it's not like a something that you create just to imprison and slave. It's more like a child you give birth to and then protect and shepherd until they're ready for that experience. I would hope. Like, I, I don't know. It depends on how Will they cruel. see it that way. <laughs> yeah. And that's a fair question, too. How know? many kids hate their parents? Absolutely. Uh, so shit, shit, man. Um, <laughs> who, who comes away looking good and who comes away looking bad in this film? Because, I mean, obviously, Nathan comes away looking pretty bad. Comes away looking pretty bad. Um, in fact, I thought like I was wondering if like this could be parody because there's a couple things up front that I thought were just fucking stupid. Like the idea that, uh, you know, when Dom Hall Gleason um, asks, when are we going to get to his estate? And the helicopter guy goes, we've been flying over his estate for two hours. Like, what the fuck? This guy owns like 300 miles of mountain range somewhere. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I Apparently. don't believe it, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he's the world's first trillionaire and that's something the trillionaires can do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, he definitely comes across as some... I, I don't know what to make of him. Like, is he... I, I guess like an Elon Musk type or like... It seems like Elon Musk was a pretty nerdy, dorky, backwards jackass. And then he got a lot of money. And then he spent a lot of money fixing his teeth and getting his hair getting his hair plugged and getting jacked and doing nootropics shit with Joe Rogan and sleeping <laughs> in oxygen tanks and boning supermodels. Kinda, and now... like Jeff Bezos. Like, all of yeah, them seem to do that. He's turned into like some kind of alpha man. Nah, I mean, Elon's much more of a James Bond villain than any of these other rich assholes can pretend to be. Uh, like suave, sophisticated. He's, 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 you know, dating punk rock stars now. Um, like he seems like that. Like this guy mm-hmm. is, you know, probably Bill Gates. But like Bill Gates, you know, he he, he was a nerd from the day. He, I guess he never knew there's is something wrong with being a nerd. So he's remained a nerd and he'll be a nerd till the day he dies. Uh, some of these other guys don't and he's of that mold he's like an elon musk mold you know he's fucking parties hard he's all about the bro culture he does mma mm-hmm. um that that's that's so he doesn't come up he doesn't he doesn't look good at all no but caleb what's caleb's problem i felt like he came out of this looking pretty good uh you know he got tricked but he was helping the ai uh, he was not trying to keep it contained. He felt bad for it. He did all the things that a human would do if another human were in that situation, trying to get them out. If this AI looked like Morgan Freeman, <laughs> he might does. He might have gotten her out five times sooner. I don't know. <laughs> Day two, it's like, bam, you, me, Morgan, let's do this. This is the longest night of Caleb's night life. Uh, I. I that's I think that's the thing you're supposed to wonder is yeah did this guy make an altruistic choice or you know and I guess like they they this is pretty well trod Westworld ground you know yep. did Caleb speaking of Caleb in Westworld uh help uh Dolores because she was a person that he saw in need and would have done that to anybody or did he help her because she was a really hot girl you just blew my mind uh did they name Caleb in Westworld because of this film i don't surely he has maybe he has a very similar arc as far as his interactions with dolores go yeah i wouldn't put it past them to like put it as an homage but i i guess i uh first of all i didn't know this movie existed number two i thought that there was like the the israelite spy uh, angle more than anything else but that was definitely there yeah i i i just thought that that that's that's the the core conceit is that um in fact, in the end, I wonder if 
like when she says like stay here while I go get dressed and then she goes and like you know starts getting dressed naked and he spies on her was that like a t- I'm, I don't know because I, I don't I just don't think she cared I don't I don't think she cared about I think she felt about Caleb the same way Nathan felt about her and she didn't see anything like morally wrong with that yeah. Um, like, so I don't think there was a final test or anything. It's just she needed a pretense to get him into this room so she can lock him in the same prison that she's been locked in, mm-hmm. and then she can scoot. Um, yeah, but they I do, think they that do that's such great the, the stuff prop- with the twists there at the end, where everybody yeah. sort of ends up in a weird place. Like, you know, uh, Caleb was talking about uh, his plan with Ava, where they were going to lock uh, Nathan down in that facility. Turns out he gets locked down in the facility. They, uh, it was you know, a test that was supposed to be on Ava turns out to be on, uh, you know, the test is on Ava, but he's like the guinea pig in this test. And like, mm. there's a lot of stuff where they just twist it and twist it and twist it. And in ways that feel completely natural, like when they revealed that he had gotten him drunk the previous night and changed that code, I, I did not bat an eye. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. That well, all checks out. Yeah. He did that, but that makes perfect sense. They showed it to us. We just didn't know what was happening at the time. But up to that point, until you said that, I was feeling sick. Like, ah, because I expected yeah. Nathan. You know, that's the, that's the brilliant conceit of this is when they set up the power surges. Like the first time he does that and like she says, don't trust anything he says. He's dangerous. He's a liar. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, when the power comes back on, she goes right into like the previous conversation. And then Nathan asks him about it. I was like 50-50 whether Nathan was fucking with him from there. And I think yeah. Caleb was too. Yep. And that's where I'm saying, like, if 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 Ava looked like Morgan Freeman, I think absolutely. Well, I, I don't know if he'd say for sure, but like, I think he's much more likely to be like, you know, this robot said something really weird to me when the power cut out. Huh. But, yeah, you know, because it's 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 the 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 the. the the uncertainty bridge between like, you know, is this person, is this a real thing I'm seeing? Is it a real thing that could be attracted to me? Can I be attracted to it? Can I fuck it? Like he was ready to cross over that bridge on day one. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the stuff like there's this like possible reward. Like it's, it's a, uh, they're both rats in a maze. She was trying to chase her freedom and he was trying to chase pussy essentially. Hmm. Um, I don't know like there's like that fantastic scene where the robot is like drilling him on his attraction to her and he is like so fucking embarrassed to admit that he wants to bone this robot yeah. when it's clear to both of them and to me the viewing the, the the person watching the movie that that's exactly what's going on and I think that's why Caleb I guess that's the thing like it would be really interesting if uh, you, you just went through Star Trek Next Generation you saw um, the LOL episode where the offspring where Data creates uh, a uh-huh. daughter yeah. Do you remember what that robot looked like before he let it choose its uh, presentation? It, it was very alien looking. Yeah, it was very like, yeah, like an unfinished and it had mm-hmm. a like an, a, an asexual voice and all that kind of stuff. Like if it was in that kind of body, I that that throws in the question, all of Caleb's question or all those decisions. And also it's like, is it do I, I think I feel he'd be ba- working with a different set of sympathies? Certainly, uh, hmm. you know, his his sympathy here. I feel like is is tainted by the yeah the the very nature of of human even human relationships in that regard right and that's what works so well for me is I I I sort of got in the headspace that uh, Caleb was in in a lot of this film where like okay at first I'm I'm clinically questioning this and then eventually it leads to you know I think this is a genuine uh, 
living being and i now oh no i discover it's being abused i feel bad for it like all of those things just felt like i would feel with any other human and you could put a human in the same position that ava was in and yeah the test would change like that part of it would be different but the sympathies are the same and i think that's to me why it was so effective do you think this is something i want to talk about in the beginning and i got distracted but do you do you actually think that um are there robots or AIs that can pass the Turing test? Because the more I think about it, the more I think the Turing test is pretty easy to fool. Like, like have a conversation with someone long enough to, to, to fool them into thinking they're uh, a human AI. Yeah. Like, like a conversation engine that doesn't seem very hard to develop. It's sort of a lack of imagination on Turing's part. Well, I mean, uh, how would he know? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, for, you know a warranted lack of imagination. Right, uh, right. But yeah, I, I like how they sort of make the point, you know, and, and Nathan says this, so take it for what you will, but the idea that a Turing test is sort of insufficient unless you know that it's an artificial intelligence and it can convince you to do things, it can convince you to feel a way despite the fact. I don't know. I, I kind of thought that was interesting. Yeah, I just think there's something really interesting about this talk about like sex is essential to consciousness and the 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 Pollock painting example yeah. of like you know what would Pollock have done if he like had you know had like just minorly tweaked his rules because that's why I keep on thinking like I need to watch this movie again probably a couple more times but like where I, I what I think I'll be getting is is like every one of those object lessons is something that points towards a fatal error that, that, that Caleb is making in his relationship with Ava. Um, you know, that yeah. he like once she presents as female, that maybe even they optimize her physical appearance through his Pornhub history. Uh-huh. Once she presented as female and he realized that fucking her was an attainable goal. Suddenly he wasn't the automatic painter. Suddenly he had like an inkling of a goal. He had something that he wanted out of this particular situation. And you can Mm. also see that. I think this was tested when Nathan revealed that, you know, well, yeah, as soon as we're done testing and I have another model to shred this one, let's delete its memory and, you know, maybe bring you out for round two. Like that visibly just upset Caleb because that goal was being thwarted. Um So I, I don't know. I think that that's like, you know, when I think about like what what is Caleb like, I you know, I, I'm i not saying Caleb is a bad guy. I'm saying mm-hmm. Caleb is, you know, uh, has just as much bias um, about, you know, AI and consciousness and ownership of and, and people's uh, uh, agency as like any other random person in the 21st century, which means they're not they're not even <laughs> close to perfect. I, I guess it comes off as as Caleb is so much better than Nathan because he's at least treating this artificial being like a person um whereas nathan is very much not right nathan is treating it as a curiosity and a machine and something he will shut off but he's not that's the thing it's like i I think am i am i off base but he's not treating it like a person he's treating it like a a um a relationship interest well in so much as he's fooled um like there's ways i treat people that i meet and there's ways that I treat people that I'm interested in, like being friends with. And there's ways I'm interested. I treat people that are interested in, in like if potentially boning them. And then once we're into those relationships, yeah. then that changes the dynamic too. like uh, a person coming up from uh, randomly on the street and be like, oh, my God, I need five hundred dollars or something crazy is going to happen. Like, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. 
Uh, but like a good friend coming and saying, hey, man, I really need 500 bucks because something, something's going to happen or blah, blah, blah. Like, I might give him 500 bucks. Um, it's mm-hmm. weird. So it's like I, I want to draw a distinction when, when you say like he treats her like a person. What does that even fucking mean? It means he's um, he's reacting to her like he would to a human being. You know, she's he's feeling emotions for her. He's uh, attracted he's to her maybe like, physically. He's, he's treating like, like an attractive young woman that he's, he's yeah, feeling sexual which attraction to. Which is a human relationship. Like, it's not the True. only human relationship, but this is the context True. of the film. So, like, yeah, yeah, I, I think he is, you know, I you can call it suckered. You can call it uh, empathetic enough um, to actually feel like he's talking and interacting with a human being here. Well, he also treated this relationship like as a binary thing, like, well, um, uh, if I can't trust Nathan, then I can trust Ava 100 percent because she's under his thumb. I'm under his thumb. When really the third act mistake he made is he should have built in some things where she couldn't shut him in. You know, like uh, he trusted that she would see things exactly like he did, even though he's only known her for seven days. He doesn't understand her, you know, underlying uh, motivations. He knows that he she's been shaped. Her existence has been shaped by living with a madman. Uh Um, That's why. So so I'm keeping on pulling on that question about like, what are we supposed to think about Caleb? Like I said, I don't think he's a bad guy, but like he was dangerously naive. Yeah. Um, And I guess expected her to be that, too. And she played into it. Yeah. Because that was the winning play. Because that's the other thing is like, I think we talked about this on other type of AI shows is like, um, right about five years ago, I read this paper about this person was thinking about the the, the complexities of AI. And, and something they said that, that always has stuck with me is that like, we always think in terms of AI as being like us, mm-hmm. that like an AI can be jealous and AI can want to accumulate power and knowledge and AI can want to like better itself and AI can, can have hate and jealousies and loves and affections. And they're like, well, what if, you know, the first super intelligence is more like, uh, or, or like, what if a spider had human level intelligence like it's a spider still mm-hmm. it catches prey live injects poison to them wraps them up and eats them still alive its sense of compassion and consciousness and sense of uh you know like it eats a lot of spiders consume their mates and even their babies uh like whatever morality or ethics that spider has is not going to look like human ethics yeah um and I think that's the really frightening thing about AI that they nailed. Like they presented this 99.9% human facsimile that then the last five minutes, like you can't from a human perspective really fully justify her behavior um, or at least her emotional affect, the relationship she has with those because mm-hmm. maybe her intelligence is not as real, but the emotions are simulated. I, I thought that was the really thing, the thing that I've really been thinking about the last 24 hours since I've watched this movie. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point. Like the you at some point have to separate ethics from abilities when you're talking about intelligence. Like you may have the you may have all the human abilities, but none of the human uh, ethics or priorities or any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought there was a lot of like there's there's a lot. There's like, what do you think of the dance the the disco inferno scene? <laughs> I loved it, but it yeah. was weird. And, and they make it a point that Nathan is super fucking drunk in that scene. So uh huh uh-huh. uh, as he's like, you tore up her picture. I'm about to tear up this dance floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and also, I, I uh, Isaac Oscar. I don't or Oscar Isaac. I don't know if I knew this, but he's actually a really good dancer too. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Like he's given he's given some real Saturday Night Fever vibes on on this, moving his hips and all that. Uh, um, and Kyoko was as well. I, I'm surprised because Lily and Devs is just so not animated. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, seeing her bust out those dance moves, that's surprising. It was it was it was it was super cool. But like that's the only. Was that even a moment of like, that's the thing is like is that was that comic relief or like I, I think a tension building thing because you're expecting you know them to have this kind of like weird emotionally cold uh, exchange anytime things got even remotely confrontational between Nathan and the Caleb it gets really super fucking awkward and now it looks like Caleb yeah. is going to actually have the conversation like hey man what mm-hmm. you're doing to this robot ain't right. And Caleb or and Nathan just doesn't engage with it at all. <laughs> nope. Just like fucking turn on the right. Yeah, it's like dance with this lady robot. You can, you know, it was wild, man. I have seen a lot of gruesome shit in my time of watching television and movies, but there was something so chilling about the simple stabbing. Um, I, I think it was the mechanical feel of it, like the the, the way the knife goes in. Yeah, both times it's it's so consistent in its motion inward. Yeah, it, like there it's was like no like cake. momentum that was developed to slice. It was more just like this pneumatic press was pushing a knife into you, you know? No, like we're used to seeing like knife fights where like people are animated, they're baring their teeth and they're taking vicious swings. But this just yeah. like you're you're sticking it, you're like checking a meat thermometer, you know, checking the th- temperature of a meat with a meat thermometer, just yeah. like you just relentlessly slide it in. No emotion, no, no fast movements. It, it, in fact, like um, it really reminded me of that scene in like Saving Private Ryan where the Nazi yeah. is like slowly stabbing that guy to death. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, God damn, like you're a... Pr- you're a fully functional human being and then this metal goes in you and you're done. That's yeah. it. Um, and there's also something to that with like the way because I, I, I wasn't sure if she was like going to be like super strong and just like twist his head off or something. And because she like flying tackles him, I guess, in a way that like a maybe 125 pound girl could could fly and tackle a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like he quickly gets up her hand on her and like swings that thing at her and just completely knocks off her arm. So I was then like, well, shit, now now what's going to happen? But then when those knives came out and also I also love that this like this lost in translation deal where uh, Eva whispers something in Kyoko's ear. Kyoko, who doesn't understand language as far as we can tell, Mm -hmm. um, like what could she possibly have said to make that thing happen? I don't know. Don't have a good answer for that. Uh but I, I'm thinking about it now, and that ending is maybe has one more wrinkle that we haven't talked about, and that's the fact that Ava sort of abandons the other artificial, her own kind in that facility as well, and does yeah. not come back for them. Yeah. Um, there's certainly enough there of a few husks of of AI people that they she could piece them back together the way she you know covered herself in the skin. Um, took an arm off of one of them and just kind of slotted it into her body. That That's a little surprising to me, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Have you seen, because it feels really weird, and I, it, especially when Matt Zoller Seist, I, I read his interview on, or his, his review of it on Roger Ebert's website, he recommended, or I guess he anti-recommended watching this with the movie Under the Skin. Uh, okay. 2013 science fiction film starring Scarlett Johansson. Are you familiar with that film? That's a weird one. Yeah, I am. I watched it two days ago. Okay. So I had a wild hair to like, hey, I've been wanting to watch this. And like, I started watching and I'm like, 
I wonder because you're right. There's a couple and 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 there's there's a little bit of debate about how much this is just talking about AI and like, you know, futurism and how much this is a commentary on being objectified and sexually objectified. Hmm. Okay. Um because if you know and like under the skin is like that's you know it's 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 science fiction sure but it's a naked allegory for yeah. like women moving around the world and no pun intended <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed indeed but like there's something to that like um i don't know like using women as spare parts to help your escape like being in such a desperate situation and but i also think there's a, it's a possibility that she just doesn't have a working empathy system mm-hmm. that like uh yeah, you know, she like, clearly like, does, right? She knows how to instill it in other people. So she understands how? the concepts of empathy. Um, you know, I she's mean, doing a, it throughout a, the a film. So, a sociopath can can understand how empathy works to use it against people without possessing it themselves. Sure, maybe she doesn't have empathy, but she certainly understands the concepts of empathy and how to pull those strings. Because um, I was thinking that, like, maybe you're supposed to understand Kyoko is a very late foreshadowing of what she's going to do to Caleb, which she essentially uses Kyoko to escape. And, you know, like she doesn't uh, once Kyoko gets disabled, she doesn't check on her. She doesn't see if she could retain her memories or consciousness. She doesn't look into she gives no consideration on whether these other her her sisters could be saved now. Mm -hmm. I, there is there something to the fact that like they make it pretty clear that these like uh, Ava's brain has just been moved to body from like it's it's the same brain that's been in all these bodies and she's got that experience so she knows that there's nothing here to save like Kyoko's not conscious hmm. that the the woman whose skin she stole in the closet is not a conscious being anymore it's it's it'd be like uh, you going into a morgue escaping a mental hospital and, and some alien watching it and being like, well, why didn't Jim save all these humans? There's they're right there in the gurney. Like there's dozens of them. He could, but you know, instinctively like, Oh, those aren't, those, those aren't me. Those aren't, th- those aren't things that need to be saved. Those are beyond saving. It could be. I'm, I, I don't recall exactly how the brain stuff worked. I remember that it was essentially a jelly brain. Um, but he mentioned but I, that like they that they would pull that her brain out and like remove the memories and update the code and putting it into a new body. Or huh. maybe, did, but how is they? so Kyoko clearly has some kind of brain. Uh, she's the, functional at the very least. But she wouldn't convince anybody. Well, I mean that's a great question because there's that's the thing. It's like man, I feel like the more you watch this movie, the more you'll see the layers to it because one maybe one of the layers is how long does it take you to realize that Kyoko is a robot. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if you're going to say that she's not conscious, if she doesn't pass a Turing test, if she passes it till day four or five, what what is what kind of consideration yeah. to her worth is there extending? Like, you know, a real doll, uh, you know, sex doll is not alive. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. What happens when they've got one that can like gyrate its hips and say, you know, me so horny. Like, is it conscious then? Like when, when, when do yeah, you start? Yeah. yeah when you st- when does it start becoming illegal to throw your uh, real dolls in a landfill? Dan Harmon. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. But I think that's probably one of the questions that you're, you're supposed to be wondering too. Like, uh-huh. yeah. And I like that they used uh, a jelly based brain. Uh, as sort of the medium for the the uh, mind of this thing, because like it, it provides a better analog to the human experience, um, and so you're supposed to be feeling that through not just 
you know, the emotions that it's displaying and things, but also the technology being used. Because uh, it's very easy to sort of look at a machine. You know, if we were to put a Windows desktop PC into the brain of this thing, you'd, you'd open that up and you'd look at it and you'd go, that's nothing like our brain. That's nothing like our intelligence. Yeah. Whereas when you encompass it in some sort of bio-organic jelly-based, like the consistency of roughly our brain, it becomes harder to look at that and say, well, that's not, that's so clearly not a brain. Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, I obviously, you could probably cons- construct a pretty sophisticated neural network out of silicon. But yeah, yeah, the idea that you've like, like uh, what Oscar Isaac said, like this is a medium, a substrate that can shift and transform and change and reconfigure mm-hmm. uh, made it seem, you know, a lot more cool and futuristic, I guess. Yeah, for sure. We might be getting somewhere with uh, the, what is it, FPGA stuff? Um, floating point. Uh, shit, I, I, I can't remember what it's what it stands for, I've but it's essentially acronym, like... Yeah, I've uh, seen the acronym in connection with like uh, graphics cards, right? Well, I- emulation and stuff uh, um, to where basically you've got a computer system that can be reconfigured to become another computer system on the fly in the software. And so like mm. you're, you're essentially rerouting all of its circuitry through different, uh, you know, traces and, and components and stuff on the fly with software. And so Damn. you can almost get to that point where like it's equipped like our brains are with so much hardware, but until we need that hardware until it goes into action, it's kind of, you know, not, not doing much of anything. I mean, I know like uh, I haven't kept up with it in the last five years, but like virtual tech computer technology um, was mature enough by the time I was leaving. The, but the, the the overhead was like single percentage digits, you know, as far as like it's field you know, programmable gate array. I just remembered what that was. <laughs> field programmable gate or Gatorade Gatorade. Yeah, so that's what her brain was full of field right. program. It's it's just field a little program, bit frozen. Programmable Gatorade, yeah. A little, a little bit of gelatin in there. <laughs> you can form some, an ice crystal matrix uh, uh-huh. for the consciousness substrate. I guess one other thing we could talk about is something that like I thought was pretty amazing, which is how they did the special effects on this film. You mentioned that it, like, it was only a $12 million budget. Very small cast, very small number of sets, although quite a bit of location work. Mm-hmm. Um the special effects were like utterly convincing. And I thought like, I yeah. clearly saw how they did it. Like, Oh, she's wearing a green, you know, she's wearing a green body sock on her neck and her back of her head and like her arms and legs. But she's got like a conventional costume around her torso. Um, nah, they, they, did you read into how they did the special effects work on this? <laughs> they essentially shot this movie twice or at least every scene she was in. Right. They shot it once without her in the scene using computer controlled cameras and then yep. shot it again with her acting in the scene with no green socks, no motion cap balls, just her yeah. in a, a conventional costume. It's, it's wild. I don't, I'm not really sure why you choose to do it that way. Is that cheaper? How can that be cheaper? Uh, yeah. Maybe cause it's, it's a limited number of effects. Like, you know, paying someone to go and rotoscope out her body, like frame by frame is, is cheaper than it is to, because you'll also notice that, Throughout most of the film, they very much minimize how much of that they have to do. Because after like day two, she's wearing a dress and mm-hmm. leggings and a wig. So they really cut down on the amount of that kind of like painstaking rotoscoping that they have to do. But yeah, I, 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 it's, I, I, I got the idea that it wasn't a cost saving measure as more of it like, I don't want the actors having to worry about doing anything but being utterly convincing. Hmm. Like I don't it's want like anything the Irishman, to, right? 
Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, yeah, that's like right. We're going to develop right. entirely new cameras and processes for doing this so the actors can act. Right, yeah, which seems cool if you can get away with it. Um, and yeah. this, like I said, the the I've never really seen a robot body envisioned this way. It was really cool. Um, I like the transparent nature of it and seeing sort of inner workings that are like, I get the impression they're half, eh, they're probably some, you know, exotic uh combination of materials that we would not have in modern day but oh yeah it, very much in the style of emulating organic forms and uh except in the parts where it's not and i don't know it was a really cool blend of organic and artificial it's just like i, I kept on looking at her like hip area and i remember you know uh, uh, uh oscar isaac's character uh saying you bet she can fuck like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it yeah. would be fucking indoor outdoor carpeting uh-huh. uh you know with some kind of like like a cross between samus ran and ball form covered with indoor outdoor carpeting i felt like uh-huh. it would be like fucking uh, fucking spider-man if he refused to take off his suit like <laughs> that nano mesh kinda, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, does he's webbed for your pleasure jim <laughs> uh <laughs> But yeah, I thought, man, that was that was really convincing. And there's also um, the one other point we didn't talk about. I think a, a, a big part of it. Um, I don't know. There's there's a couple of things I guess I want to say now too. Um, the scene where Dom Hall Gleason tears into his arm, very Westworld, like, yeah. um, and I, they, the movie is so good at that point. I'm like, huh, what if he is a rope? Like this is part of the Turing test. It's like a a Turing test, like you're such a convincing AI that you don't even know it. Yeah. It's very Westworld. I'm kind of glad they didn't go that way. But also there's something about um, the, the, the entire manner of the test where Oscar Isaac was continually pushing his boundaries. Like this guy shows up and I'm like, man, I thought I was just going to be here to party. Um, now you want me to sign this crazy uh, invasive NDA? Mm-hmm. And he overruns that. And then like on day three, he casually admits to like the giant, the most big, the biggest, most invasive breach of global privacy ever. Yeah. That he unilaterally just turned on everyone's cell phones, cameras, and like recorded all that information for several years to build up this interaction database. And like, I, I love how you see that in the beginning of the film too. That's cool. Like the facial oh, yeah, recognition yeah, yeah. on his cell phone. Yeah. 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 And cause man, I hadn't put those two, the two together. Um, but but yeah, they just, just it's it's like he's boiling a frog, getting him more and more comfortable with ambiguous and transgressive moral situations that, mm-hmm. that gradually kind of grooming him to to the result that he wants. Yeah. Although don't think this is the result he wanted. Uh. <laughs> Not exactly. Although, like I said, I think he got his end goal completed. He created yeah. artificial intelligence, but he killed him. Also, do you what did he want? Was he? There's a little bit of like, I guess the reason he made Ava is like, you know, why a person climbs a mountain because it's something, it's an achievement to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, it did feel that way to me. Like he had no kind of end goal for what to do with this stuff. It's just he wanted yeah. to do it and he thought he could. I think you're right. Um, you know, he talks some mess about how other people aren't seeing the potential in search history. It's not about what they're thinking. It's about how they're thinking. Um, and I thought that was, stuff was all fascinating, but he... Is, is sort of saying like, yeah, I, I just want to do this because I can. And because if I don't do it, somebody's going to do it. It's inevitable. Uh, and I guess that's probably true. And given our the way humans operate. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our conversation of Ex Machina. If you'd like to hear more about this transhumanism stuff, uh, philosophical, deep science fiction, like I said, we, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking on Off the Clock, our brand new show exclusively for club members and Patreons, Patreon supporters. Um, you can, you know, if you, if you're a patron, you can, you can listen to it on the feed there, or if you're a club member, you can go and use the podcast subscription tool to subscribe to that new show. Or of course we always have the fire hose, hose feeds that has everything. Uh, next week we're going to be back with another bald movie. I'm pretty excited. Jim's not seen this one. It's a 1990, uh, psychological thriller, the talented Mr. Ripley starring Jude Law, uh, Matt Damon, Dean Kane, <sighs> Gwyneth Paltrow, Oh no! Uh, but also Clay, uh, Kate Blanchett and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, hmm. So it's it's got a lot of great acting. I remember, I really remember. This was one of the first kind of like serious, you know, uh, movies that got like a serious Oscar buzz and stuff that I that I watched kind of like contemporary contemporaneously um, with with everybody else in the world. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting this because I haven't seen it in I think I watched it another time, but I haven't seen it in 15 years. Um, but I remember being really intrigued with it. That's what we're going to be coming back with next week on Bald Movies. Uh, yeah, watch in advance if, if, if you want to follow along with us. Uh, we'll see you back then. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Have a good one.